0: Kwame, you were born in Ghana, you're a professional (laughs) soccer player, and now you're the head of business development. I think you have a fascinating story that everyone is going to enjoy hearing today, especially myself. What I want to start with is the story how you and I got connected. A week ago, you messaged me out of the blue on LinkedIn, and you said, look, I just interviewed somebody and, and he said, go meet Trent or go check out the podcast, (laughs) what what happened there and how did this all come about?
1: Um, so it's really funny. I got to go through my messages again and figure out who it was, but I, um, so I'm just, I'm posting stuff on LinkedIn. I posted a a little bit of a story about kind of like how I found, um, sales development and all this good stuff. And someone reaches out to me, um, and says, Hey, uh, you know, would you be okay with just hopping on a call really quick, 10 minutes? Um, And we'll have a quick conversation. Um, And so I'm like, yeah, sure. Like I'm always down to connect, down to network, down to pass on as much knowledge as I can. So we hop on a call. He asks a bunch of questions about how to break into sales dev, break into tech. And it ends up being kind of a 30-minute conversation. And at the end of it, he says, have you ever heard of the company Qualtrics? And I'm like, I have. I feel like I've seen them on uh, on, um, LinkedIn somewhere. And then he says, have you ever heard of Trent... Dressel and I'm like, you know, I feel like I've seen the name somewhere. So from there, he was like, "Hey, I think you should just connect, link with him, and see if you guys could just like, I don't know, get together for a little a little conversation. I think you you would have a good time. So that's what made me. Well, reach we're having out, a good and, uh, time. That's for and sure. Here we are. And
0: the time period I want to start with Kwame because I, <laughs> I think you have a lot of perspective, especially as you think about your formative years, sacrifice. Breaking into tax sales, uh, Zoom Info, big company, and now leading um pipeline generation and a lot of those activities for a smaller company so i think that's a nice contrast that a lot of people are curious about but what i want to start with is being born in ghana tell us about that and and, and when did you come over I'm, I'm not quite sure if 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 it was too early where you don't remember just take us back to that period of your life yeah for sure
1: um before i jump into that the name shout out shout out matt favela you, you made this made happen
0: sharp. and the hundreds and potentially thousands of people were here at all because matt you yeah. made the, uh, the connection so shout out to you
1: yeah so gotta love that, but yeah, so uh, I came to the states when I was eight years old, so pretty young um ended up in the d c area and you know prior to coming here uh, or coming to the states um you know Ghana's fantastic it's developed so much since I've left um, but at that time in the small area that I was in it was a very different lifestyle um you know so it was uh, it's kind of like a, a simpler living if you want to call it that it wasn't kind of like as overly um like I would say rural as, as most people think uh, Africa is, but uh, from, from just like a perspective, right? And just like a standard transition, it was pretty interesting going from something that did feel a lot more rural to something that felt a lot more suburban slash um, urban and, and a lot more up to date. So yeah, I mean, came here at a really young age and then um, landed here in third grade Something kind of started you wrote about
0: there. or you posted somewhere that, that I thought was, was uh, uh, an important insight. A lot of people use disadvantages as an excuse as to why they can or can't do something. I, I get messages all the time from people who may not be naturally English speaker or have accents and they say, how am I ever going to get into sales if I can't talk articulately, succinctly and, and convey my message. You said you had a, a really thick accent that that may have been problematic initially moving to a different country. I'm not sure if you had to learn English as well, but you mentioned your strengths. Now you would consider public speaking and communication, which I think is powerful, shifting that paradigm. So how how were you able to to turn maybe a disadvantage into a strength? I
1: think early and often, and that's that's uh, you know maybe a phrase that you hear um, pretty pretty often, but. When I first got here, my first thing was, and in all honesty, thinking back on it, maybe I should have slowed down a little bit, but my first thoughts were like, how do I make sure that I understand everyone around me as much as possible? You know, so that, that came in with a lot of just like reading and, and understanding and even like watching TV. People, ha- like, I know as kids you're told, don't watch so much TV, <laughs> right? But the funny thing about that is, um. Watching TV as a kid is, like, it's really powerful because it doesn't just show you, like, the language that's used often. It also Mm -hmm. shows you, like, the body language, the gesturing, the way people communicate with each other. So minor things like that, that's what really kept me glued. Um, And and adding the TV aspect to it, to to reading and a lot of just writing, like, I got really deep into poetry and how words worked. So, I mean, at a certain point in my life, I was was, – so into rap and all this stuff. So I just pretty much engulfed myself in as much language as possible, as much English language as possible. Um, used to listen to Eminem like, unstop, you, you like nonstop, and you know like as many words as he like, like spits out. He raps a, really, you know, fast within sometimes. a two to three minute uh, time. He raps really fast. So I would actually stop, I would write down, da- I would pause, and you know, back in the day, growing up, you had the the CDs, the little portable CD players. I would pause and play and rewind over and over and over until I wrote down every single lyric. And then I'd read it back to myself to the point where I just like, it almost felt like I was just like reciting it, and that's what just made me like digest words so quickly. And I feel like sometimes starting in volume uh, can be a good way to go. I know, uh, uh, there's always a little bit better of an approach going like trying to go with quality over quantity. But sometimes when you're just trying to get a basic understanding, I can imagine can walking down the approach. street,
0: lose yourself comes on. And if you if you if you if you if you if you rewind <laughs> that and play that multiple times, you're going to be pumped up all day, all night and ready to take over the world. Is that how you became such a good soccer player? <laughs> Transition. <laughs> you like that?
1: Listen, I love yeah, how, so how did you get into segue. soccer?
0: Before we get into the, the the sales stuff, which I know sales podcast, business career, which which that's that's yeah. where all the the meat and potatoes, the value is going <laughs> to be from. So you guys got to stick around to hear that. But talk about professional soccer yeah. because. I like to play FIFA. I'm sure a lot of people watching like to play FIFA. I'm terrible. at. at, I I never grew up playing, so I don't have that touch and feel. But so you you got here in third grade and and you started to figure out how to communicate through TV. And I'm sure sports are probably a big part of that as well. Yeah,
1: a big part. And actually starting out, my thing was I want to be as American as possible. So when I came here in third grade, my parents enrolled me into like, you know, peewee soccer. I played for like one year and I was like, (laughs) nope, I want to be more American than that. So I started playing basketball and football. So yeah, just getting myself into that. Those were really where I I got my footing and got into team sports, and started you know transitioning from there. Uh, and interestingly enough, the way that I got into soccer was my closest friend in uh, in high school. His name was Kenny. He dared me to try out for the soccer team in the beginning of my junior year, and at that point in time, I was. I was really good at football, so I knew to myself, like, I had a solidified position. Like, if I go out for the soccer team and I don't make it, I will be fine, you know? Um, And at that point in time, I also didn't really see, like, I didn't see sports as being something that got me to the next level of my journey, Um, you know, coming from a, a family that wasn't too familiar with how, like, collegiate um, sports and how like scholarships, we didn't have a solid foundation in that stuff. So I was just playing sports cause I liked it. Um, and yeah, so he dared me to try out for the soccer team. I go out for it, I try out, I'm the worst player out there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm already, you know, I'm 16 uh, going going on 17, no touch, no understanding of the game, but I was just super athletic. So I just like, they would just pass the ball through, I'd run as fast as I could. You give it to me five times, I score once and that's okay, you know, so that's how it all started out. I tried out for that team. Um, I made it, had a decent start, um, you know, like two goals that whole season. And then senior year after playing an entire year of just like club soccer after that, who my coach, my high school coach was such an incredible person. He took me to every game. He even paid for me in some seasons, just made sure to, like, groom me. Um, Scott Dawson, big shout-out to him. Once I got to 12th grade, first game, scored five goals in the first game, and then boom, (laughs) that was it. That's, That's where soccer takes off from there. I started getting recruitment letters colleges calling me they were like who is this guy who scored five goals in a high school game and uh and that really helped propel me to that's exciting to and speaking of
0: americanized that you're playing soccer i'm sure you're eating all sorts of fast food doing all all the american food thing it was just powering you to score infinite goals on the field and then i i know i know you ended up taking it uh, yes. professionally and and ended up not working out I, I know you said you had an injury which is unfortunate um and and that's what happens in life but it's cool to hear how you, I, I feel like You see the Michael Jordan stories, not getting on the basketball team, and then it pushes you to say, well, I'm actually going to get good at this thing. And that's something I talk a lot about in my sales journey is I didn't just come out the gates just shutting meetings on every call. It it came from thousands of dials and so much work that people don't see behind the scenes. And I think you embody that as well. So I'm curious. Yeah. So you play soccer. Um, you do the pro for a bit. How did you end up learning about software tech sales? And then and then tell, tell us about how you got to that point. Yeah.
1: Um, another moment of just like uh, pure serendipity when it comes to connections and people you meet in life. Um, one of my closest friends in high school, his name was Mason Neely. Uh, he worked for a company, um, you know, a small company you may have heard of called uh, Discover Org Zoom Info. Um, and... Uh, he reached out to me when I got back um, from playing and he said, Hey, since since you're injured, you know, I guess like an injured professional is probably like on par <laughs> with our rec team. So he's like, come play, <laughs> play with us. you know? So, uh, so we got back together. We started playing soccer on some nights and then he said, Hey, like, what are the odds that, you know, you're, you're looking to transition into something new in, in life, right? Like, um, you know, you, at that point in time, I had my MBA, And there was a possibility for me to enter into the business world. I was hoping to take my business knowledge and apply it to soccer at some point, but it just, you know, wasn't in the works for that time. So his thing was, what about seeing if there's another path here? There's a, there's a really, really great, like career path through SDR and through being a sales development rep. And I think it would teach you a lot. So I have this great company. I'm doing really well here. I think you should just apply and see what happens uh so mason takes me on a little like a we'll call it a ride along he takes me to the office for a day i walk around with him he gets on some sales calls i talk to everyone in the office and and i get a feel for it and i'm like you know i i feel good here uh so i apply uh pat valier who is the the senior director of sales um at in the the office at the time the dc area uh, hires how me important and, and was it to have that history.
0: connection early on yeah. to really open your eyes and, and, and probably help groom you throughout that process as well. Oh, that
1: was big. That was that like the, the meaning in the, like the quality of having a really, really good connection. I think anywhere in life is, is like immeasurable, uh, for me in this specific situation. You know, I can't, I won't say, right. I don't like to doubt myself and say, I wouldn't be here without it, but but it's about as close to a, I wouldn't be here without it as it can get. Because all the way from the beginning, Mason encouraged me over and over after he encouraged me the first time I didn't apply right away after that office visit. I applied like two to three months later um, because after the office visit, I was still trying to rehab, still trying to get into it. I had a contract offer in Australia Wow! and I was still thinking about taking it and yeah. Yeah. So Mason just kept saying, Hey man, like, I think it's a good idea. Like if you go and things go bad in Australia, it couldn't, you know, like you could come back another two, three months later and the opportunities could be gone or not be as fruitful. So you should do this. Just give it a try. And so, you know, he pushed me across that line. And then once I got there, it was like helping me to shape my career in the best way to get to where he was. He's a director of sales. Right, and he's like, he's had so much experience to get where he's at. So he's like, what can I teach you to help you get an upper hand in every situation that you're in? You know, so it was an it was an immeasurable connection. Like the value of that connection, I cannot, uh, I can't put a value on that. And, and it's just like, yeah, it's it's definitely been a big. It sounds part like it, it really speaks to right
0: surrounding now. yourself around the right people. And I I think a lot of people watching this, they they probably. They hang out with people, they have friends, they have professional colleagues, they do recreational things like your soccer league and whatnot. And it's, it's really all, all about who you are around and the information you're taking in. And, and it's, in, in your case, you, you were leveling up. You were hanging out with people that, that were doing things a couple levels up, and that naturally pulled you up and, and forced you to get better which is super cool to hear and that's why we're here today because you were probably thinking i'll recover from this injury i'll go back play yeah. soccer figure it out maybe be a coach or, or something in the back office use the business thing like you said so it's cool how it all works out and being around the right people really creates those opportunities yeah yeah
1: yeah for sure i do think the the, the people that are around you like the the people you keep around you help shape a lot of you know not to over glorify the term but but i guess your destiny Right. Um, I do think that it's a big part of who you are, big part of the way that you think about things. And and after Mason, after getting to, into discovery. Shout out to the I dog. And the podcast. That's, I think that's the
0: first that's that's actually the second time we've had a dog appear in the, the podcast. Dog, the last time it screwed up the audio with somebody that was recording. <laughs> but we're, we're rolling today.
1: Oh, my goodness. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, give me yeah. a sec. I'm going to open while, the door for while, him. so he is he, figuring out goodness. the dog.
0: Let's take a look at his shoes right there. I asked him before we started recording. Um, I said, "Do you actually wear the shoes, or, or are they just for show?" And He says, "I wear them, and they still look good too." So you're the you're the you're the real deal. You're the real deal. Um, so I know we we're I know we were talking about destiny, and, and 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 before we get into the sales career, one last thing I want to ask you about that that one of your posts that went pretty viral. It got it got a lot of feedback and attention. Is is talking about the comparison game? In a way, and in timelines, and I think we as guys, especially, we have this this internal drive to achieve status or prestige or make a million dollars by age thirty or have a better job than that person or whatever it may be. And it, when I was researching for this podcast, to even think of a name. That's how I actually thought of sales prestige because I said people are hardwired to want to get to that next level it's just evolutionary how we survive and in the modern age it's prestige in the form of money status promotions titles whatever it may be and you talked a lot about being behind early on and always wanting to catch up to to the people you're around but eventually it all worked out in the end which is great so so talk about how people can manage uncertainty and that feeling of being behind the comparison game because whether anyone likes to admit it or not Even the most successful people it's never going away so how do you think about that yeah
1: that's a really good question um you know that that was an interesting like part of my life um i think one thing you know that you mentioned that that just like it resonates is just that constant feeling and and desire of like being ahead or getting ahead um feeling like you're winning you know um we all have that desire like everyone wants to be able to show up to their high school reunion and talk about all the cool stuff they're doing, how uh, how how well they're doing in life, how you know all their cars, all their this, all their that. And I remember showing up to my you know my ten year uh, reunion and and kind of just like I mean I was playing soccer, which is great, um, but I still hadn't really seen the strides right. Like I hadn't really signed that big contract that I was looking for, um, which was supposed to come at some point. But yeah, I mean, a lot of it comes with stress, with I think society. You know, society puts this image of like, these are the things you have to do in life. This is uh, this is kind of what your timeline is. Right. So as you keep hitting different parts of your journey and everyone's hitting those with you, as you grow up together, you begin to get programmed into thinking that that means when they're hitting these next strides beyond our high school or our college journey, I should be there as well. You know, and that's that's really I think that's really important to take away from this is that. Um, don't force yourself or don't don't confuse yourself into thinking that because we went through first through fifth grade and fifth through ninth grade and ninth through 12 at the same time, it means that's how we're supposed to progress in unison. No, everyone has their own journey and you have to just, you have to become accustomed to being comfortable in your own journey and not anyone else's. And that's, that's really important for me and kind of how how I ended up I think at the end of the day everyone's trying
0: their best everyone has different outcomes they want to achieve so it's it's unrealistic to compare your desired outcome to somebody else it creates this gap uncertainty um so whoever may be listening however you may be listening you're doing great keep it up and we're all it's all going to work out how it should in the end so let's 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 fast forward a bit to to zoom info so that was your initial opportunity your connection helped in, in in a way shape you get you hired So you start as an SDR day one. Talk about the first couple months and how that went. Yeah.
1: um, So SDRing, man, um, what what an incredible, incredible role. (laughs) Uh, It's, um, you know, I I started out, um, you know, first real big job in in corporate America, um, you know, doing the full time thing, uh, trying to understand how procedures and policies and all these things work. And then on top of that. Having to <laughs> learn what the role is specifically, right? So, like, S- SDRing is just such a great step into sales. You know, it's, it is it is such a foundation builder. I mean, like I said, I came into this already having had uh, an MBA, and in that process, I still, I-, I would say, I learned more in my first three months than I like than I did maybe in my entire MBA program. Um, reason being, nothing against the NBA program. I think it was brilliant. But you do not get nearly as much experience it, learning about something thing. as you do experiencing it. Yeah. Doing it is just massive. Um, so doing it is just like it's a big part. Of like really understanding what you've what you've learned, putting it all together, all these concepts that seem so foreign, how do they all come together at the end of the day, right? If you learn about all these numbers and how they uh, create all these possibilities, and blah 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 blah, like all the things that you're learning, actually getting to apply them, that's when you really start to realize like what you're doing and how you're supposed to do it, right? How often you're supposed to do it, what times are best. So, um, learning how to be an SDR was a really really like pivotal part of my career. And uh, it's really important because for anyone who was listening, who is new to the SDR world, there were a few times, and I know one big time, one big day, where I thought to myself, "Everyone I'm has this that, job that,
0: that, that moment of is <laughs> sales for me," and you just you and you and you question yourself. I had it as well. It's tough. Yeah,
1: yeah, it is. You know, you keep doing the same things that everyone says should be working. And then you're feeling yourself not achieving nearly as much results. Comparison, right? And this comes right yeah. back to to the timeline aspect. Right? Like you start seeing people do things in their career, and you're like, I remember I started with three other SDRs, um, who are fantastic SDRs and are in much better positions, uh, you know, than when we started, and are in great points in their career. But I I saw all three of them get to different parts of their career before I did, right? And so it becomes, once again, that that constant programming of like, oh, I saw them get a promotion. Like, why haven't I got a promotion yet? Um, I see them hitting accelerators. Why aren't I doing that? Um, so yeah, I think a lot of it had to do with patience um, and, and just like realigning and understanding, like this is a journey that I'm going through and this is something that I've never done before. I'm, it's my job to understand this to the best of my ability. Um, and that's why I think SDRing is so important. It's something that, um, it's it's such a great way to enter yourself and bring yourself into corporate America, bring yourself into sales, bring yourself into software, and then also like a nice set of tests that really will test your your like character. Um, that will bring you as close to the brink as possible. Before that I found early in my SDR
0: career is I after the first month, one of the worst performing reps had that that moment of is this for me? I'm used to doing well at things. I also started with two other guys at the same point. And everyone's performing better and you have these public dashboards i don't know if you guys had these in salesforce whatever you see everyone's calls opportunities accepted pipeline whatever your metrics you're measuring and you see people doing better than you and you start to and you start to dive into it and you say well they got lucky (laughs) the account executive just threw them that oh that was a lucky warm lead and and it it actually consumes so much time and energy just worrying about what other people are doing and I fell into that trap so often early in my career. And, and I don't think I do it so much anymore. I think it's it's a little, I mean, I, it's, it's unavoidable. It's fewer and far between. But once I was able to say, you know what? It doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. I want everyone to be successful. It actually, it actually enlarges the pie for everyone because if our company is more successful, let's say we're public, or or a private trying to have that event, it's naturally going to make everyone more successful. So I should want everyone to do better, despite that instinct that tells me, well, if they're doing better then I can't do well, everyone can do well. And the less time and energy you spend on other people, the more time you can focus on getting better. So you clearly put in the work, you got better. Um, I know you had a two, three year run at Zoom Info. And then that brought you to what you're doing today as the head of business development. So talk about your role today. And if if I were someone on the street and I said, Kwame, what do you do? How would you describe what you do?
1: Yeah, uh, well, uh, you know, I'll start with the company, and I'm great. Really, really grateful to be here. Builder Builder is an incredible um, content management solution, right? Uh, a system that helps um, you know companies and web developers to have an API-driven, um, composable, drag-and-drop uh, uh, layout for their for their work, you know, their their workflow. So you know, it, hel- it basically makes developers lives easier and marketers and all that. Right. But with that being said, um, I sell to developers, which is really difficult. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I am, I am now the head of business development for a company <coughs> that sells a software to, uh, to a, a market that I'm not very used to, you know, I've been selling to sales marketing and, um, and, and recruiting my entire career. Um, and now. Um, transitioning to this role, uh, selling to developers, and doing it from a point of building a process um, is very different from from what I've had at Zoom Info. Um, I would say at Zoom Info, I was more of a people leader, right? You know, at any time I was, I had anywhere from 25 to 34 reps. Um, And my focus was building on top of the processes and solutions we've already put together. And just basically just innovating in a way that would help our team achieve its goals the best. right? Whereas at Builder, my job is to come up with and invent the process from ground zero. Um, So I think in terms of transitioning here, I've gone from more of a people leader to a process leader or a process creator or whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, it's being at a startup has been really interesting because now it's not as much me trying to help people to hit their goals. Um, it's more me figuring out how I'm going to hit mine and then, you know, in turn, making sure that the company hits theirs as well. So, uh, yeah, that that's basically what I do now is inventing processes and figuring out how we can really like develop as a business. I feel like, um, my previous, Development leadership roles have been more so. Um, how can I help my team to develop and help them develop the company? And now, now it's more so. How do I develop and help the company develop as well? So, uh, process yeah, it's been a bit is, of an is so
0: transition. important, and I think the reason it is is because when you have a clearly outlined framework or principles or a way to make decisions without using a whole lot of effort and knowing what does success look like? What does good look like? How do we measure the outcome? It allows you to then scale by having that process. So you as a really talented individual contributor, you can be the best person at closing of all time. And that's important and you'll get paid a lot to do that. But if you can start to scale your process to help other people be successful as well and elevate everyone, you have this multiplier effect and you have leverage and and it's actually way more valuable to be doing that but it's challenging as as you talked about so as you think about so so we have a few minutes left a lot of people watching this are looking to get in tech sales or sdr bdrs account executives maybe some enterprise folks as well or just other random folks who like to listen as you think about a successful process what what do folks in the sales career need to be thinking about in order to generate their pipeline hit their sales numbers what what do you think is important process i
1: think process wise in terms of like identifying new processes i think little you know small wins and constant iteration is really important you know um i think that figuring out you know <laughs> nowadays when you think about you know anything that exists it is taking a few ideas that have already been created and figuring out the best way that it'll work for you. So it does feel like at times we're, we're just constantly idea sharing from every single idea we've ever seen out there, every single mind that we've seen out there. So I think a lot of success within processes deals with figuring out who people, people in your space, right? People in your space, what they've done to be successful, um, how you can try to replicate that success using similar methods, um, and if not similar methods, at least what part of their process can you take away and apply to a new process that you're creating? So I would say the biggest thing about processes that I've learned is just constant thinking, constant um, constant brainstorming, constant iteration, right? And being open to like listening, talking, um, hearing out as many people as possible, because Like we are all at at the end of the day, we are all aiming for the same goal. Like if, if the world were run perfectly, um, if the world were run the way that I I would hope it would be every salesperson on earth would hit their numbers. Um, you know, we would all share ideas, everyone would progress forward. Right. So when you think about that in a nutshell, it's like, how can I take what has come before me from people who have been successful? How can I work on it? How can I implement it? How can I maybe change it in a way that's going to work for us? So that, that's my biggest thing on process. Tiny iterations, small victories. I like um, what you said about small
0: victories because it, more often than not, you can walk out of the office or work, walk out of your room, work from home, whatever it may be. And, and, you, and you say, did I, did I make any progress today? Did I, did anything go well? And it's as salespeople, you may have multiple days where it seems like nothing is going well or going your way but you're always one moment away from everything changing from connecting with a high level person at one of your top accounts on a cold call, whatever it may be. And something I like to say is is win the day and having a process to say, what does winning the day looks like? And actually have a point system to break down, what are the activities that will help me get to my goal and my outcome? So I think you embodied that as well. And that's something people should go back and listen to because I asked a broad question and and you gave a a specific framework for how to think about it, which is important. What I want to end on is leadership and being a people leader. You talked about having a dozen or two folks under you at Zoom info at Builder. You're building a team as well. How do you how do you deal with people? Well, whether it be listening to them or communicating? Yeah,
1: I think um, I think the interesting thing about that is, you know, you mentioned the two most important things about dealing with a human being like right in your question is like, constant listening and then constant communication, right? In order to communicate, you do have to be willing to listen. Um, I'm someone who, when it comes to performance, I don't think um, these are the metrics that someone else hit, hit these metrics, right? I try to have a conversation based on someone's genuine interest in their needs in life, you know? So my goal is when building a team around me, and, and when I was interviewing for this role, when I was starting to have conversations about this role, the things that really drew me to this company or that every conversation I got on, we talked about their lives and their families and their goals and their successes and, and their downfalls and things like that, right? It was just a constant reflection of who they were, not what their job is, you know? And I think that that's the biggest way to, to encourage and to, to instill confidence in um, and to push people forward. Um, is that when you think about what you're doing and when you think about how to, how to really get the best out of someone, it's about getting the best out of them for themselves and the people around them, the people in their life, their goals, more so than for the company. I don't want you to hit your number to get your bonus for Builder, <laughs> right? That'd be great. Build, builder Builder is, is great. It's a great second thing to think about. But if you hit your numbers for you, Builder's gonna come along anyway, right? So I think the best thing or most important thing, at least in my experience when it comes to channeling the best energy out of someone is focusing on the things that are beneficial to them and their lives more so than what's beneficial to the company, you know, because if, if they succeed, the company succeeds as well. So it becomes hand in hand, but if you focus on the company, you take attention away from that person and who they are as an individual. And now they kind of, when you don't have the possibility of just like identifying with how you succeed, how you hit your goals, you just start to depend on the company in order to do that for you so i think helping someone bring their self and their individuality through their processes and through their sales it makes sales calls more comfortable right it makes it makes uh emails what more comfortable when i call someone and I pick and they pick up the phone i talk to them like i'm talking to a friend you know so i think that that's what's important and that was because my leadership always let me be myself right there is yes a, a script there's a talk track but that talk track is worked around the way that you want to you know uh, uh speak on it you know so i think it's really important to keep in mind that in order for someone to hit their numbers in order for someone to excel in their role there are frameworks but you have to allow them to plug themselves into that's the, the, the secret hidden in plain sight again.
0: people are people and people want to feel special People wanna feel important, they wanna feel heard, they wanna feel loved, they don't want to have that feeling of loss aversion. Um, And and you embodied that by trying to empower people to intrinsically want the shared objective that ultimately makes everyone more successful. So powerful what you said, Kwame. I enjoyed our 33 minutes together here today. I'm really glad you messaged me on LinkedIn. Everyone, I'll link Kwame's LinkedIn down below, so go connect with him, you can message him. It sounds like he may be open for a call. Maybe maybe he can give you a job as well. Kwame, thanks so much for the time. (laughs)
1: Bye. Thanks so much, Trent. It's been a pleasure. Bye. Bye.